We are heading into a new series that begins today that I'm quite excited about. I agonized and agonized over this series. It took several months to prepare for it because I wanted to, to do it justice, but uh, I decided the only way I'm going to really pull this off because it's such a grand and sweeping concept uh, that the entire Bible is about God and it's about his covenants with us that I decided we're going to go smaller rather than larger and I'm going to, uh, you're going to tell that uh, there's a lot that could be said and we can't go with two-hour messages and on and on. So uh, you'll have to bear with me today as I uh, bring a lot of information in your direction. In fact, so much information that I have a handout at the end, which I don't normally do. Okay, and this handout is like 20-something pages long uh, that I, I'm encouraging you to take a look at throughout this series. I'm hoping that this will not be a once-and-done kind of handout, but something we use over and over and over again in our future. And this handout is also called It's All About Relationship. So Our Covenant God, week one, is all about relationship. I don't know if you've experienced a lot of struggling relationships. The simple truth is our world is filled with hurting and struggling relationships. And I'm sure that if you uh, started to think about your own life, you have experienced your own hurting relationships and struggling relationships. And if you are honest with yourself at any given point in time, some of those hurting, struggling relationships, although our human tendency is to say, man, they hurt me, and to put a narrative in our brain to sort it all out, and it's really 100% their fault that they caused all this pain, if we're honest long enough, as we look into ourselves, we own a lot of that pain, and we caused a lot of pain also, even if they hurt us. There's a kind of a struggle that goes back and forth with all of that. So I want to begin with a few questions that I don't want you to answer out loud. I want these to just be questions that get us thinking before we jump into this pretty big topic. Um, and here's the questions that I have for you. So this one is a, is a personal question. Have you ever been so convinced you were right that you said or did things you know deep down was not right? That's what I was talking about earlier. You were so convinced you were right that um, you did things that you know were not right. So in your narrative, I can't believe they did this to me, and then you lash back, and then your pride reacts, and then you're saying some things with tone and with force and arguments and creating pain also, and that's just part of what makes relationships so difficult. I'm going to follow that personal question up with several less personal. At first, we're going to think about other people. Do you know someone who thinks the solution to our broken world is more police, more politicians, prisons, laws, lawyers, judges, religion, education, or money? Pick one or any or all of the above. Do you know anybody that thinks that all we need is more this or more that, and we will get it all solved? Don't raise your hands. This just gets us to be thinking. And then we'll follow that question up with, is the problem of our broken world primarily legal, economic, religious, psychological, educational, or other? Do, 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 do. All right. 
covenant is a particular kind of relationship by a formal agreement specifying the covenant parties, its terms and promises. Now, we're going to get back to that phrase, and we're going to discover that covenant is going to be the source of answers that's way deeper than all of these other things. Now, to get at that, we're going to kind of back up and move our way up to that point where we figure out how covenant has anything to do with anything I just said. And so we're going to begin with point number one. Don't trust human solutions for spiritual problems. So obviously one of the questions was a setup, and you probably guessed it, with all the different things that we think will solve the world, I left the opportunity open to, for you to at least latch a hold to other. And that's the correct answer to that last question. The other ones were, there wasn't a correct or incorrect answer. And I want to share with you where I get that. It's not just my opinion. Um, it comes from the prophet Jeremiah and many, many others throughout the scriptures as God reveals himself to us. But I want to start with Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet that wrote around 550 BC. He experienced the pain of the final judgment domino falling on the Israelite nation uh, that started to cause everything to crumble. There is no more nation. There was no more temple. There was no more promised land. They were all deported. They were the last of the deported parting group of the chosen people, and they all marched off to Babylon, and they were there for a long, long time, and he writes about their pain. And that relational pain that he writes about is not just their pain with one another, but the pain that they all experienced as the people of God that broke relationship in their covenant with God. And so in that, we are going to begin with Jeremiah 17, 5, where we read this. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the person who trusts in mankind. He makes human flesh his strength and his heart turns from the Lord. Now let me first of all say what this is not saying. This is not saying we should never trust someone. It's not saying that. Because healthy relationships require trust and building trust and rebuilding trust. When trust is broken, trust is what holds us together. It's not saying that we never trust someone. What it's saying is what the point was, point number one, don't trust human solutions for spiritual problems. This is what was the problem of Jeremiah's day. Now, human solutions can bring partial help to human problems, but that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about ultimately our deep-rooted spiritual problems is the cause of all these problems. If we ignore that, all the human wisdom that we can bring to the table is going to be... very inadequate. And Jeremiah doesn't leave us guessing as to why all of the other wisdom, whether it's our own wisdom or somebody else's wisdom or the collective wisdom of any particular culture, 
He doesn't leave us guessing as to why that will never solve our relationship struggles or even our own deep personal struggles. Here's what he says just four verses later, Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? So if you're setting out to cure your own heart, we hear people all the time today say, man, I've got issues. Well, we're talking about a heart problem. We're talking about a spiritual problem. It manifests in all kinds of different ways, and so we talk about the different ways that we have come to be aware of the problems that we have. And I'm just telling you, if you're relying on human wisdom and going to uh, counselors that rely only on human wisdom, good luck, because the heart is incurable on a human wisdom basis. And so this is where Jeremiah is coming from, and that's why he's going to say what he says. So it's a little bit like this. When we start to think, oh, we, you know, all you got to do is, all you got to do this, or you, you just, every time you put the just word in front of something, you just got to do this. It's like, it's like this. A bazooka just shot a hole through your chest, right at your heart. A bazooka-sized hole and somebody saying, Oh, there, there, it'll be okay. And they take a Band-Aid and try to put it over a bazooka-sized hole, okay? Now, that seems like an exaggeration, but when I'm talking about the spiritual reality that Jeremiah just said, he's not exaggerating. Human wisdom and trusting in human solutions for something as deep and as problematic as the human heart is, is just as crazy as putting a Band-Aid over a bazooka-sized hole in your chest and saying, there, there, it's going to be okay. It will not be okay. And that's what he's getting at. And so a lot of times when we're experiencing relational pain and we're looking for quick fixes, the quickest fix we usually come up with is abandon the relationship. Abandon the relationship. Abandon the relationship. It hurts too much. But God has better solutions. And he instructs us from his own character because our God is a covenant-keeping, covenant-making relational God. And if, if you only think of God in, in terms that are other than that, you're not thinking of the God of the Bible who has revealed himself throughout history. He is a relational, covenant-keeping, covenant-making God, and we get, need to get a hold of what that means. So the good news is that God offers a solution even to a nation with a bazooka-sized hole in their collective chest. (laughs) They were totally busted up his covenant by their unfaithfulness. And so in his great loving kindness, his great commitment to promises of the past, his covenant-making, covenant-keeping character of who he is, we jump to Jeremiah 31, 31. Look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. 
This is a prophecy, and this is a prophecy about a permanent, adequate, forever solution. That's a, that's a mouthful there. It's permanent solution, it's an adequate solution, it's a forever solution that's coming. And he is going to bring that about. So it's a prophecy. So, point number one was don't trust human solutions for spiritual problems. Point number two is God's solution was revealed through God's covenants. Now we just read Jeremiah 31.31. Let's go to Jeremiah 31.32. This one, this new covenant, this one will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors on the day I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, even though I am their master. So he proved that he is a worthy king. He proved that he's a worthy God to be followed. He broke the back of Egypt and made them into a nation, brought them into a promised land, gave a covenant, said what would happen if they keep covenant, said what would happen if they didn't keep covenant, and they didn't keep covenant. But even still, in his loving mercy, loving kindness and mercy, he is going to establish a new covenant that's not like the covenant he made with their ancestors. God's solution is a particular kind of relationship with him. Okay, so here's the quote that I said earlier. Covenant is a particular kind of relationship by a formal agreement specifying the covenant parties, its terms, and promises. Now, what I've said took me just a few minutes, could be preached on for a year because this is big stuff. (laughs) This is what the whole Bible is all about. And when you start getting into the discovery of covenants, even outside of Judaism, like in the 1930s when when they cracked the code to the Hittite language, it is amazing that the covenants that kings made with kings... uh, 2,500 years before Jesus, or second second millennium, you say it, B.C., (laughs) that the Deuteronomy covenant with Moses paralleled precisely covenant of the Hittites. Now, there's two ways to interpret that. Who's copying who? There are some scholars that say God condescended to take on this covenantal form that humans came up with. I think it's the other way around. God has always been a covenant-making God, and I'm going to show you that. And even the Hittites, as they get further and further and further away from God, they remember what God is like and what covenants are like and how covenant relationships work, and they instituted covenant power relationships in their setting. They were sort of secular, but following a pattern. And then God who is a covenant-making God, establishes covenant. And we see this parallel that's unheard of. I wasn't going to go into all of that, and I'm going to run out of time, so let's move on. In Jeremiah 31, 33, we read, Instead, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, the Lord's declaration. I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Now, there's another 
prophet by the name of Ezekiel. You can call him Zeke. Ezekiel confirmed the same kind of promise with a few different words and his prophecy in Ezekiel 36, 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I want you to notice that the word spirit there is not capitalized because the Holy Spirit, there's nothing new about the Holy Spirit, okay? He's going to put a new spirit in people and we're going to see the capital spirit in the next verse. And it's going to be through the capital Holy Spirit within that the new spirit is going to be given. Why? Because people were spiritually dead ever since Adam. They're going to be made spiritually alive. And this prophesies it. And it's going to be a new covenant that makes this happen. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Verse 27, I will place my spirit, notice that one's capital, within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. Just a a note on capitalization. These are interpretive. Um, In the ancient manuscripts, you don't have capital or not capital. You know, it's not like this is based on context. You can figure out you're talking about human spirit here and you're talking about Holy Spirit here. Okay? And so the capitalization is supplied in our English. Now, bear with me. I usually don't like doing this, and I usually don't like being in an audience where somebody does this, where they read through stuff, okay? But I want to read through stuff for a couple of reasons, because if I didn't, I'll never get through it. Because <laughs> every single bullet point that I'm about to read, to do justice, I could do a whole sermon on each one. And actually, right now, I probably could. And we, so I'm just going to read, and it's going to be way too much to actually hold on to and carry. Hence, we're going to go through a whole series, and I'm going to give you a handout, and, and you just kind of catalog it up there. And if it doesn't make sense, it's okay, just keep it on the shelf, and uh, we'll get back to that shelf as we keep going. All right? Our covenant God is all about, you, you can just go, put it on black screen for right now, I'll get to that. Otherwise, people will read my rocket. All right? Our covenant God is all about relationships, and he offers a plan to restore not only our relationship with him, but with each other. Covenantal relationship is a worldview. Covenant is an approach to life based on covenants God initiated. Covenant keeping becomes our life philosophy. It is how we think. It becomes how we live. Whatever we experience in marriage mirrors our relationship with a covenant-making and covenant-keeping God. Now we broaden that. What we experience in all relationships mirrors our relationship with a covenant-making and covenant-keeping God. The Bible is the written record of God's covenants as God revealed his unfolding plan in stages. The new covenant is how God brings his people into a permanently reconciled and eternal relationship with himself. Jesus' victorious crucifixion and resurrection is the basis of, of the new covenant 
And our faith looks back to it and also forward in hope because of this new covenant assurance of complete victory. In the same way, the old covenant faith was effective because it also looked back and forward to God's faithfulness in his covenant. Their forward-looking faith, though they did not know it, was what made the old covenant practices effective because it anticipated Jesus' victorious crucifixion and resurrection. The old covenant was only a provisional solution. The new covenant is the point of the entire story. And when I say the entire story, I'm talking about biblical history, the story of God's saving work throughout history, and that's what the Bible is all about. It's all about his covenants. And all his covenants are all about the new covenant, which is the permanent, adequate solution. So even the old covenant gets its meaning from the new covenant, which was coming. I'm going to start preaching if I don't get back to my bullets. <laughs> Jesus established the new covenant authorizing the apostles to formalize it. This was first done by oral proclamation, then by written proclamation, which is now our New Testament. Covenants are different from contracts. Contracts are negotiated. Covenants are not. Covenants are formal, defining who is in or out of covenant. Now I'm going to show you a rocket which will illustrate how covenants work. God revealed his love through a series of covenants. With a rocket, the capsule is the most important part. Let's start at the bottom with number one and move up. One, God made a covenant with Adam. That's the bottom stage of the entire rocket. Two, he made two covenants with Noah. Three, he made a covenant with Abraham. Now, I will say that at this stage, we pick up the covenant that all the apostles refer to as Old Covenant starting with Abraham, amplified by Moses, and then reiterated by David. And I think that uh, that's the big stuff. I mean, when you start talking Adam's covenant, Noah's covenant, I think a lot of that still is in place and goes with the capsule for us. But the old covenant, the apostles talk about starting at stage three with Abraham. The fourth he made a covenant with Israel, Abraham's descendants. The fifth, he made a better covenant with us through his son's death. So the capsule is the most important part. The new covenant superseded and replaced the old covenant. Now, if this just goes, oh, that's cool. Just know this. Throughout the Christian church and all its theologies, Many of the problems of the divisions between churches and their differences is over this issue. 
They do not see the new covenant sufficiently superseding the old. And we come up with a mixed bag between the two. A lot of differences among churches can be explained that way. Okay? The new covenant superseded and replaced the old covenant as taught by the apostles. We will be getting into this a bit in weeks to come. There is a continuity, but also a discontinuity between the old and new covenants. So you end up making a mistake if you don't show the continuity, and you end up making a mistake if you don't show the discontinuity. All of the old covenants lead us to the new covenant, which is the capsule, the prize, the treasure. Okay? You guys look so excited. I told you to bear with me because this is heady stuff. There's a lot of bullet points, a lot of information there. But I want to take it now uh, to where we live and uh, hopefully inspire you to do some more reading. So, uh, by way of review, don't trust human solutions for spiritual problems. Point number two, God's solution was revealed through God's covenants. And point number three, Jesus invites you to the new covenant. In Luke twenty-two twenty, we hear these words from Jesus. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. I could just go on and preach right there. What an audacious statement he made when he takes Old Testament, ancient practice and ceremony of Passover and says, this is now all about me. And I'm establishing a new covenant. It's going to supersede it all. And that's amazing. Hebrews 8.6 says, But Jesus has now obtained a superior ministry, and to that degree he is the mediator of a better covenant which has been established on better promises. All right. So the next quote is this on the screen. Whereas contracts are written to protect self. Think about it. Every time you enter into contract, you're, you get your attorney. You're trying to make sure that all of your I's are dotted, your T's are crossed to make sure you protect yourself in contract. Covenants are not like that. It's precisely the opposite. Covenants are agreements made to advance the best interest of the other party. So when God enters into covenant, it's all about us for our benefit. What does it do for him? It brings him a lot of pain. But he's going to do this for us. And he asks if he wants, if you want to be a part of that covenant, okay? And so that's an important feature to get a hold of. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 29, we read these words from Jesus. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke. He's not talking about an egg, okay? Take up my yoke. And learn from me. He's talking about farm apparatus in uh, pairing up stock animals together with a yoke across their necks. Okay? And he's saying, take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. But what you need to understand is this is covenant language. Uh, Often a rabbi would say to his disciples to take my yoke upon you. And so you'd enter into a a covenant agreement with your rabbi, and what he's saying is, my yoke is going to be easy. What often rabbis would say is, my yoke is really hard. And they just raised the bar so hard that you had to just really qualify to even be selected, and that's what's so 
mind-blowing about who Jesus chose. He said, my yoke is easy. I choose you, and let's yoke together. I'll pull the weight. You just keep step. And then he's pulling the weight, and even in our weakness, his power becomes perfected as we depend on his power to pull weights that are far greater than we'd, it's, that we could even possibly imagine because we're yoked together with him. Jeremiah also used the term yoke as a covenant term. Here we're going to jump into Jeremiah 2. Your own evil will discipline you. Your own apostasies will reprimand you. Recognize how evil and bitter it is for you to abandon the Lord your God and to have no fear of me. This is the declaration of the Lord God of armies. For long ago, I broke your yoke. I tore off your chains. You insisted I will not serve. On every high hill and under every green tree, you lay down like a prostitute. He's talking about spiritual adultery. He's talking about breaking covenant with God. He's liking it to marriage with God because marriage is a covenant. It's entering in by making promises. It's not about protecting yourself in contract. It's about making promises to an unknown future and always blessing the other party's best interests. If covenant is broken, divorce takes place. And here, God says, you completely divorced me. You broke covenant. You're worshiping pagan gods on every high hill. And it was abhorrent to him what they were doing. And he broke covenant with them and allowed the whole thing to implode just as he prophesied ahead of time. I'll promise you this. If you are faithful to me and are in covenant with me and hold to the terms even when you sin and you come before me humbly, we'll be good. But when you don't even want me as God, you don't even want me as covenant partner and you start committing these atrocities and you walk away from me, it's divorce. And it all imploded, and they no longer had a nation, they no longer had a covenant God, and yet God is so loving, kind, and so merciful, he's going to, out of that brokenness, allow people to return to him in a new covenant. I want to finish with a, this quote. Have you come to the place in your life where you could say for sure that if you were to die today, you would go to heaven? It's a great question. We all need to come to this place. A lot of people don't even think it's possible to know that if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven. But if you know your covenant God and know what God has promised and you know how faithful he has been in track record and you know that he has told you all this and even through one of his apostles says, I tell you all this so that you will know that you have eternal life, you can come to know that you're going to go to heaven. If you were to go out this door, get in a head-on car crash and die today, you can come to the place where you can know. And so with that question, the good follow-up question is, as people just thinking about it, if you could be sure, would you want to be sure? And that's my setup question for 
If you would want to be sure, I would love for you to read this. And we're going to hand this out as our take-home today. This is where I'm finishing today. We're going to hand this out as our take-home today and urge you to read it. Not everything on this will you understand. There's little, like, notations that require some training to even know what this little phrase is even talking about. It says something about serial killer and and a four-year-old son. It's like, what is that? It's an illustration that goes with the teaching. Just know that you can't know that until training later, which I hope to offer some training later, so that I would hope to, we can use this with our friends, use this with people that we develop friendships with, so that others can know what it means to enter into covenant with God. But the first thing that we need is to make sure we understand covenant and how we enter into covenant with God and what that looks like and what it's all about. So I hope that sometime, if not this week, because you're slammed busy, that sometime during this series you'll read this entire thing and begin to maybe read it more than once and get a hold of what this is about. It's all about relationship, restoring our broken relationships. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for giving us uh, such a broad and sweeping handle on the entire story of your revelation to us. That in the old covenant, you set things up so that we would understand the new covenant. And you brought us to an awareness of how powerful this new covenant is. And Lord, I pray that each one of us would take to heart that you're not a God that's primarily about uh, earning our way in or religion or doing this or doing that to make sure, but you have done it for us so that we could enter into covenant based on an accomplished, victorious work of Jesus on the cross and through his resurrection that is applied to us. And so, Lord, help us to get a hold of what that means and how to receive and enter into that and grow in the truth of the power that you give there. And we pray that uh, we would take to heart that you are a loving, merciful, covenant-making, covenant-keeping God. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.